Well, an interesting evening I had last night. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. People still coming in. <laughs> I had a crisis of faith this week. I'm just going to be honest with you. Anyone ever have a crisis of faith? I know I'm the only, I'm the pastor, I'm, I'm a preacher, I'm the only one in the room that has a crisis of faith, ever. But I, ha I think we had it at the same time. So something was happening. So I just, this, this I, hopefully tonight whatever comes out, it'll come out right and you'll be encouraged when you leave. Because <laughs> I'm just like going to go on like autopilot tonight. So uh, newcomers, don't, you know, forgive me if you get scared out of here. <laughs> But Holy Spirit, I, I honestly, I did. I had a crisis of faith. And it was with me believing God for certain things. You know, sometimes when you have, a, you know, you have big vision, right? And God, we want God to just move. And we want God to just bring in provision. And so, you know, I get overwhelmed sometimes when I think of everything that I need to see God do. And it doesn't happen fast enough. Come on. So I started to, come on, I don't, as my wife, I really don't come unraveled a lot. But to this week, I just felt like I just, I had a God, if you want to start doing something real fast, like real fast, right? And the Lord, Lord rebuked me. She didn't even have to rebuke me. She did rebuke me. She kind of just went silent on me. But that's Okay. Because God has got something he's wanting to do tonight, and I know there's something incredible uh, that he's going to release tonight. So just be encouraged, because the Lord is really, really trying to test us and pull us into something closer than we've ever known before. I, I really, really I believe that. And if we don't know what the Lord's capable of, it's okay. <laughs> Not at me. Yeah, it's true. If, he, if we don't understand what he's capable of doing, I said, you know, it came out of my mouth last week, God, you know, Holy Spirit wants us to really be encouraged, and God has bigger vision for our lives than we do. I really know that. I do know that in my, man, in the, my inner man. But then you get tested at times, right? And the Lord is wanting to do something. So I'm just going to kind of fly into a couple things tonight, and God's really, it all goes back to what I call yielding. I think the Lord calls it yielding too, right? So I spent the, the night with Catherine Kuhlman. I don't dream. Uh, at least I didn't used to dream. I must be getting older. That's not true. It's not true. It's not true. I rebuke. Point teasing. But here's what happened. Yeah, it was just strange. So I don't usually like preach a message out of dreams, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with some things tonight because I really had a, an interesting night. Because I, I got up, I went back to bed, I went back into the dream, which is weird. That's definitely not like, I'm, I thought I'd just, you know, get up, relieve myself, go back to bed. <laughs> everything would have ended, and I wanted to write everything down. I'm like, ah, I'll, I'll remember this. So anyway, I'm just going to tell you, and I don't, like, it's not like I, how many know who Catherine Kuhlman is? How many don't? Really? A couple people. Okay. So Catherine Kuhlman was um, prominent in, like, the 1940s. 50s and 60s, late 40s, 50s, and 60s, and uh, very controversial in some areas. Um, but she really knew how to host the presence of God before we had that, before that was coined by Bill Johnson, hosting the presence of God. Because the reality is she, used, she would move in such miracles, the, and it wasn't her. She'd just wait for the Lord in the back until the Holy Spirit. And it was the same thing, like, remember we talked about William Branham before? It was just like, so she was one of these dynamic ladies that was like dynamic, like dramatic and, and dynamic. And she was amazing. And the anointing of God was on her life in such a way 
that just the miracles would happen in the room. As she'd go down the aisles and the, the tip of her dress would touch you, you'd get wiped out, really. And, and the presence of God was so strong in her life. But there was, you know, they, I was just reading tonight about, or earlier this afternoon, about the Holy Spirit healing people from cancers and, and like, really, like nine-inch goiters just shriveling up and crazy miracles that would happen. And so how many would want that in your life? Yeah, yeah, we would. We'd definitely want that. And so anyway, I'll just get into the dream, I guess, and well, I don't know what I'm doing tonight, honestly. But <laughs> so here's what happened. I, I went, you know, I went to bed as normal and, and went into a dream, and I was in a bedroom with Catherine on the bed and two other ladies, and she said, come, lay down on the bed. And I'm like, wait a minute something's not, I really, I'm like talking to myself in my dream. This is something could go really wrong right now. And then I sat down on the bed with her and as I, as I did, just kind of sat like almost shoulder to shoulder, head to head. And she just said, sit here with me. That's all she said. I'm expecting to get like revelation and words and something happened and nothing happened. So then we got up and then we're moving around the room and we go into the other room. But everything was about rest. I didn't go into a kitchen. I didn't go into a bathroom. I went into a, a, a den and a lounge, and we sat. And nothing was said to me. Nothing was said to me. I'm like, this is really odd. This is really strange. Or God's trying to show you something, right? God's trying to speak to you. Because really, I'm telling you, furthest thing from my mind is this woman of her name or anything like that. So I know this was the Lord. I know this is the Lord because I can remember it vividly. And then when I got up and I started talking to Lisa about it, more and more started coming up. Like I should, I felt, you know, I'm not a good steward. God will help me hopefully, Becca, write everything down. Like if I had gotten up during the break and started writing things down, I probably wouldn't have went into the second part of it. So then I wake up. I go to the, go to the bathroom, come back to bed, and I go right back in. Except now, I'm on a road, and I'm driving. And now I drive down the road, and I'm on a, on a dirt road, actually very remote, like leaves on it. And as I did that, I saw a woman in a blue dress on the side of the road, laying down, like unconscious. So I pulled over. Who is it? It's Catherine. So I revive her. I just, you know, shook her and woke her up. And then began to, to walk. I walked away from the vehicle. I couldn't even tell you what I was driving. I was just driving. But I got out of whatever I was in, took her by the hand and began walking down this path. And the path weaved into a house. But I was off the beaten path, right? I was a, a, in a remote place. And uh, so... As I was just going through this in the morning, I just feel like there's a few things that the Lord wants to speak, and I'll, I'll get into some things. But I, then I started going crazy in the morning, like looking up all kinds of stuff about Catherine Kuhlman, nothing really coming to any conclusion. I, I found her on a video with the dress that I saw, so if that's for any good, but that was it. But I have to just say this, that the Lord is speaking something very, very clear. The first thing is, and it's, you know, I say, well, the dream ha has to do with me, yes, obviously, but it has to do with everyone in this room, I believe, as well. And so I'm just going to go into a little interpretation of this, and then I'll give you some word, okay, so I'll make it legal <laughs> at the end. And then we can go from there, all right? But I realize this, that the Lord's speaking about rest again. He's always telling me to rest, <laughs> And so here's the thing. I've had this crisis of faith this week, and the Lord brings me into this encounter because I call it an encounter because I don't really, I really believe it was a vision from the Lord. I don't think it was something that was a pizza dream or a Lebanese food dream because I did have Lebanese food last night. I had a long time to digest before that. So the, real, the reality is God called me into a place. What? There's three people in that room. What does that represent? The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I believe Catherine speaks of the Holy Spirit more so. But she also does speak of a ministry, yes? yes? And so God wants us to really, really look 
And, I, and after last week, right, I talked about, you know, not focusing on the gifts so much. We want to focus on Jesus. But let me tell you one thing about Catherine Kuhlman's ministry is that's what her focus was, Jesus, Amen. right? See, because what I said last week was this, that the supernatural comes when we get face-to-face -face with the Lord, right? If we seek the supernatural, it's going to send us what? Off into a, probably a shipwreck somewhere. Because we're seeking one thing, we're seeking a gift and an anointing, which God will anoint us for whatever we're called to if we just seek him, and that will increase and flourish, right? Amen. And so the Holy Spirit just began to speak to me about this place of rest, and God wants to bring you into a house of rest, and wants to bring me into a house of rest, and he doesn't want us to be in crisis, right? I'm using myself tonight as a biblical example, right? Because that's really true, because we don't need to live out of crisis from crisis to crisis, it's from glory to glory, yeah. right? And from strength to strength. And so when things begin to happen in your life and you begin to shut down because things aren't happening quick enough, right? <laughs> Listen, guys, I have... My, my, my spirit is wide open to whatever the Lord wants to do. However he wants to transform the ministry, if we become a traveling ministry, let's do it. Come on, we can all do it together. Come on, that's funny. <laughs> but the whole thing is supposed to be about a base and a place to raise up people and for people to grab hold of truth, right, and to be trained and equipped to go out and to do the work, the things that Jesus did, right? The things that he does every day, Amen. right? And so really, I was, I've been, I'm going to bounce out for a minute because I had a couple of things happen this week. Like I, you know, we haven't seen Al in like month, a month now. And regardless of what it is, whether he needs deliverance or just plain healing, and maybe he's watching tonight and we'll pray. But the reality is this, God's bigger. So no matter what it looks like, I don't care, but I'm, I'm sick and tired of leaving people on the outskirts of what God's about to do, I don't want to leave people there stuck. Amen. Amen. I'm done with this now. Ready? You're gonna, it's going to blow up. But I, I, I've really had it. I don't want to see people come in here sick and leave the same way. I don't want to see people come in oppressed and leave the same way. Amen. Because that is not what we're here to do. That's not what Jesus came to do. It's, it's the life that God called us to is above and beyond. Amen. And there is no limitations in the kingdom of heaven. And so I have this dream that takes me into this encounter with, with the, it, I believe it's the Holy Spirit, but it is depicting a ministry of miracles. It is depicting a ministry of the presence of God. And I, it was funny because I looked up a video from Robert Slairton. How many know who that is? Two people. Great. <laughs> Anyway, he's a historian of revival. And he talked about the, the presence of God coming in a Catherine Kuhlman meeting to his life when he was a little kid, little boy. And he was eight years old, and he said he felt his skin. He felt the presence. He felt the goosebumps. Go ahead. It's all right. We can feel God. Amen. And his Sunday school teacher said, no, Catherine Kuhlman's special, and you'll only feel that there. And so as he, he explained later, as he became older and more experienced and the Lord began to show him things that he realized that the presence of God is for everyone. And what I'm saying is it's not about how you feel, but we are looking for the tangible presence for transformation in everyone's life. And so here's where I'm at, right? I'm like, God, this is this week. I'm like, God, he needs to get set free. Whatever's tormenting Al needs to go in Jesus' name. Whatever, is, whatever person comes in here, we had two people come in here with two different people with, with cancer last week. And we prayed for both of them. Thank you. We got to. And so I'm believing that God's going to break cancer because it's happened over there in that second row right there over a man who had cancer in his, in his liver and God set him free and, and John's cancer free now. So I believe it happens. So it happens for one, then it, happens, has, it should be happening for everyone. And I know some of you don't believe that. But that's okay. 
Because I believe that the Holy Spirit wants to do that for every person. Amen. I don't believe that heaven looks like we might have to deal with sickness. So anyway, I just, as, I, as I'm going through this dream, I'm feeling like the Lord is, is bringing me into an understanding, right? He wants me to rest. He wants me to live with him, and he wants me to live with him in perfect rest, right? What does the bedroom talk about? It talks about intimacy, but it talks about rest. And then a den is what? We have family. We just hang out, and we just be, right? We just chill. We just relax, and there's no pressure. And so God wants us to live out of this place where we don't live out of a pressure of some, something that someone else may have put over us yeah. or the enemy puts over us, right? That we've got to perform, that we've got to do things well, that if things don't happen quick enough, and I'm not talking about myself right now, so don't analyze me. But the reality is this, that God wants to come and he wants to change things. So what, did he, what, did, what happened next? I got taken on a path. I left the vehicle that I was in and I went with her and revived, revived her, her blue dress and all, which speaks of revelation, which speaks of authority, which speaks of those things that take care of sin, sickness, and disease. Right, Because we can't live out of a place of being afraid of praying for people because it might not happen. Right? And so the Spirit of God just began to speak to me. And so what was it? What was about the path? What was it about the path? It was remote. It was winding. And it went to what? It went to a mansion. It went to a beautiful place. It went to Father's house. Right? And doesn't he say in John chapter 14, he says, I have... Many mansions, right? It's many dwelling places. But how do you get there? It's kind of the same thing that George was alluding to last week. It's a path that a lot of people don't go. Right? There's things in the way. There's things that, you know, we don't necessarily, it doesn't look absolutely glorious and appetizing, but there's something that God's pulling us into. <laughs> and so here comes, the, here comes the, the place where I feel like God's calling me, right? To a place that's less traveled. <laughs> See, because we gotta understand one thing. How many think that people just go into the ministry and they're just successful because of what they do? How many believe that anything that you do, you're successful by your own works? Can I, can I just say this, that like a Reinhard Bonnke, who's been all over the world, he's seen, what, 70, oh, 72 million souls for Christ, something crazy like that, Right? I don't think he started out saying, I'm going to... Win Africa. I mean, I know God gave him that. I'm going to win Africa for Jesus. But the ultimate thing wasn't to be a worldwide evangelist. He just had a burden for one thing. To win a nation. Why am I saying this? I'm saying this because there's people in this room you called to do amazing things. Like really powerful, awesome things. And you don't think it's really as big as you think it would be. <laughs> I'm serious. Because we try to downplay it, and I'm not saying, I'm saying you gotta think with your eyes open and believe God for some things that you haven't experienced before. Right, and I, here's what I see. I see that there's one thing that sets all these men and women apart. They went down the road less traveled. They chose a road that was less traveled. They chose a pathway to God's presence instead of a pathway somewhere else. Because there can be a highway, it's paved, and we want the highway of holiness. I want the highway of holiness in my life. But I'm telling you this, that God's pulling us into a place. He should be pulling every believer into a place where you make a decision. Right? 
jump into a couple of these scriptures because I feel like they're pertinent to what I'm saying. How many know Galatians 2.20? You don't even have to go there. You shouldn't have to. Galatians 2.20 said, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me, the life which I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Right? How do we receive? Bob Jones used to say this. The way to receive 220 power in your life is Galatians 2.20. The only way to receive greater anointing and authority in your life is to die. <laughs> Ready? Benny Hinn came to Zion Bible College, and he said, we're going to have a big funeral service. I said, what? <laughs> it was one of the most powerful messages I ever heard on Galatians 2.20. And he basically spoke to every student that was going into ministry and said, this is where you need to go. This is the path you need to go to. It's Jesus already died for you. You need to die with him. All the things that you have aspiration for, let them die. That's scary, right? Because I don't like that. I have dreams. I have big dreams. I believe God to do great things. I believe there's going to be a an awakening revival center. I believe that God's going to send people to the nations. I believe that God's, we're going to do things all over the world. And it isn't going to happen with 20 bucks. Right? And so the, so the resources are not even the issue. It's who am I looking for the resources from? Who am I looking for to fill me and anyone in this room, anyone in this room, to do the things that God called you to do from way back. If there's things that God's heralded to you way back that he wants you to step into now. But you're putting it off because you just need to do this. Or you're putting it off to do something else. Or you need more training to do what you've been called to do. I don't, you need one thing. I should say one person. But the one thing is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Right? There's nothing that can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. So, so here's the thing. I've been crucified with Christ. Every dream, everything I had in my life that, I, that, I believe, that I'm believing God for, I'm believing that what? He's going to take care of those things because I'm pursuing one thing, his face. Right? My, old my old identity has been co-crucified with the Messiah and no longer lives. For the nails of his cross has crucified me with him. And now the essence of this new life no, is no longer mine. For the anointed one lives through me. We live in union as one. I'm reading the Passion Translation. Same scripture. My new life is empowered by faith, by the faith of the Son of God who loves me so much that he gave himself for me and dispenses his life into mine. So what's God saying? What's he speaking? He's looking for a people that continually, I'm telling you because it, happen, it has to happen. I die, Christ, Paul said, I die daily. Jesus didn't say it, but he did it too. Are you hearing me? That the Holy Spirit is wanting to come to our lives in such a powerful way. And I think, I've, I know I preach it every week. But there's no other message. There's nothing else to say, really. That God wants to come and invade your life in such a way. And he wants you to give up. Because remember Jacob and Esau. Who's going to win the match? I promise you it's not going to be you. When you wrestle with God, you'll never win. When you think you know, because we think we know, we think we know what we need to do, and it all looks good in our own sight, in our own little package of what we think God's going to do and how it's going to look. But some of us don't want to yield to where he wants to bring us. Because where he wants to bring us is way further. Ready? I'm going to go back to something that I was talking about last week even. Right? It's just in a different context. Exodus. 
24. Right? Remember this. Moses went up to the mountain. Verse 10. Verse 10. It says, they saw the God of Israel, and there was under his feet, as it were, a paved work of sapphire stones. And it was like the very heavens in clarity. What was going on? I'll tell you what was going on. It was the same thing that, he saw, that John saw in Revelation. All of a sudden, the throne of God. There's something about the mountain of God that God wants us to understand. He wants you to go to his mountain. There's one place. There's no other mountain. There's one mountain. It's called Zion, and it's where you're supposed to live out of. Amen. There's a place where he says, you've come to Mount Zion. Hebrews. And here it is, we've got Moses, and he goes, and he has an encounter with the elders. <laughs> and they don't see that, all they see is the, they all encountered it, because it was a corporate thing. That's what it says in the scripture right here. They saw the God of Israel, and under his feet, as it was, a paving of sapphire. It means presence. It means they saw, they, they all stepped into an encounter in heaven, and then they told Moses, no, we don't want to go. <laughs> Don't say that. You hearing me? Right? But the nobles and the Israel that says they saw God and they ate and drank. They just acted like it was another day. Another day. And then it says this. Go down. We're going to jump down. It says 13. It says Moses arose with his assistant Joshua. And Moses went up to the mountain of God. I'm getting at something. He got up and he went to the mountain of God. No one else will go. Me and Joshua will go. Right? God wants you to go. He wants you to go to the mountain. Because it keeps on saying this. Right? Jump down. He called Moses in the midst. He called Moses to... He called to Moses out of the midst of the cloud. And in the sight of the glory of the Lord was like the consummation of fire at the top of the mountain in the eyes of the, chil in the, eyes of the children of the Lord. And so Moses went into the midst of the cloud and went up into the mountain for 40 days. Guess who was with him? Joshua. Turn to Exodus 33. Here's what the Lord, Lord's trying to speak to us. Wait. Seek. Fine, I'm not going to be long, honestly. Right, we remember all this, right? The tabernacle meeting. And then it says this, verse 11. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. How many want to see God? Listen, this is Old Testament, guys. How many want to see God like a man face to face? I'll tell you right now, you better be prepared to be under the chair. It's good. It's cool. It's good. I, am, I love encounters, but you better be prepared to be on the deck. I'm telling you, and this is how God wants to come in. Want to know what revival looks like? <laughs> When the power and the presence of God, the person of who he is, comes into a building, comes into your room, comes into the place where you live, and begins to invade your life. Amen. This is not to put like unhealthy fear in someone or someone in this room. No, I want God. I want God like this, just like this. I want face-to-face -face encounters with Jesus, amen. right? But we say amen... But what's the rest of everything look like? God wants to whack everything into order in our lives so that we can fill, be filled and changed in his presence, right? And so he it says that he, he returned to the camp, but his servant Moses, son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the tabernacle. <laughs> what am I going to tell you tonight? 
Here's the deal. If Moses, come on, it's Moses. I know, Joshua had his own book. But Moses had five. Come on. <laughs> the reality is this. What God wants to do inside of you, you really got to press. I know. That's like work. No, we're going to rest in God. We're going to rest in who he is. We're going to rest and know that when we, when we position ourselves for an encounter, that he's going to come. But we don't need to be quick to leave. Like God doesn't ever, when he says he never will leave you and forsake you, he means it. He really, really means it. I'll never leave you or forsake you. I'll never abandon you. You don't have to be an orphan. Never. Ever. You don't ever have to be without God around you. So here's, here goes back to Robert's Laden. So he's eight years old and he's like, I want that presence. <laughs> Can I tell you, I was 11 years old and I had an encounter with Jesus face to face. 11. I'm just a baby. I don't know anything. Like, I don't know anything. And God comes into a room with a guy telling his testimony and he just blows the room up. There's all kinds of people there, but you know what? Jesus can toast you when everyone else is in the room, if you let him. But usually we don't want to lose composure. We don't want to... But 11 years old, I didn't care. I'm like, what is that? Like, the, glory, the face of Jesus, this guy's face turned into Jesus' face. And the glory and the presence that emanated from him just began to just overtake the whole entire room. I couldn't see nothing else other than the face of God. At 11, not saying anything about me. It's saying this, that God will show up and encounter you. Because <laughs> it wasn't. He wanted to reveal himself to me. I don't, am I special? No. Well, I am. But no, I'm not any more special than you are, right? I've had continual encounters like that because I don't know why. Because I, I asked for them. I asked for the Lord to come into my life. Please show up. Just, in, just totally wreck me. Will you just wreck me? How many want to be wrecked by the Lord? I'm just asking because really I, I want to be wrecked by him. I want the whole church wrecked by him. I want the whole town of Kingston and up and down all the routes wrecked by Jesus. But it says this right here. It says that Joshua wouldn't depart. Joshua wouldn't leave. Moses left, the glory's there. Moses had to go do business. And Joshua says, no, I'm staying right here. I'm not leaving, I'm not moving. I'm not going anywhere, right? So what does it do? What happens? It goes back to a yielded life, right? Faith begins, right, where logic and reason end. Faith begins where logic and reason end. That's a quote from Mrs. Coleman. Active faith is unquestioning belief, trust, and reliance upon God. Faith can become as real as any of our senses. What does that look like? What does that even look like? Come on, is that too mystical for you? Because I feel like God is wanting us to really encounter some things by his spirit so that we'll be good for the earth. So that when heaven comes and visits you, nothing, here's what happens when heaven comes and we let him in. We let, I'm just, I'm just gonna say Jesus is heaven, right? All of who he is. He holds everything together. Here's the thing. When Jesus comes into your life, <laughs> daily, yeah. daily, 
hourly, whatever it takes. When he comes into our lives in that way, when the passion of who he is becomes the heartbeat of who we are, something has to change. Something has to change, right? So here's the deal. What do you think? It's complete obedience. It goes back to complete obedience. Because when God calls, right? Just think about Christ. Because I'm going to talk about the road, right? We just went to Galatians 2.20. And I'm going to talk about Jesus right now. Because Jesus had to do this. As much as he was fully God and he was on the earth, he had to do this. Because when he was in the shadow of the cross... When everything was coming down, when they were sending troops to get him, he said what? Not my will, but yours be done. Now, how many wake up with that daily prayer in their life? No, really. This is the, bit, this is the type of conviction I'm looking for tonight because I really, and I realize this, there is nothing on the planet I can say. <laughs> There's nothing on the planet I can say. I can sow seeds of the Spirit out there, but here it comes down to one thing. Jesus made a conscious will. He made a conscious decision to say, Father, I'm going to do this. And I don't you think one minute, don't you think one minute that he didn't, that he wanted to go to the cross. I don't know what that does to your theology, but I don't think he wanted to go. says he what? Learned obedience. He learned obedience by the things that, yeah, he suffered. He learned obedience, and we're trying to just be obedient. Right? So here's, here's where I'm at. God, I want you to come in such a way that I will say yes to everything that you put before me. That fear won't ever drive my life, right? That when I'm waiting on the miraculous I don't get fearful, I don't get anxious, I don't get angry. Because that's what happened to me this week, I got angry. God, what are you going to do it, and what are you going to do it now? And I have some things I want to tell you. Yes, I'm saying it online. But that's the reality. And anyone that's in this room that says they don't ever get to that point, we want change but we don't want to, what did he say? Oh, yeah, he said, take up my cross daily. If you want to save your life, forget it. Just forget it. <laughs> See, but who, who's, this is, I know, we're going to leave all uplifted tonight. <laughs> Come on. But this is what we should be speaking. This is what should be preached. You've got to preach the cross. I want to save my life. No. Because when Jesus was right there at the decision, right in, Lord, Father. Come on, can't you see it? I can see it even now. That he's at the place of, he's in the garden and he's sweating drops of blood. Do you think that he, he wanted to go? I would say no, absolutely not. But because of his obedient mission, the life of obedience that he decided to say yes, redemption's plan would have never been released if he didn't say yes. So in that, right? In that, in him just saying yes gives you the ability tonight to say yes, God, whatever it takes I want my life to look like that. <laughs> I don't want my life to be frustrated. I don't want my life to be struggling, right? I, there are struggles. There's going to be struggles. I don't even know what I'm looking for right now. Holy Spirit wants us to, to live out of this place, right? Oh, I know what it was. So 
Okay, long pause, what you think? There it is. Ready? This is probably about as close as we're going to get to Christmas message for me. It'll end tonight in about five minutes. I love Christmas. Matthew chapter 1, right? We know the story. Jesus is, uh, Joseph is visited by an angel. He's instructed, says, says about Mary, right? Says this. The angel says to him, you need to take her as your wife. And the child that's in her, the child that's inside of her, the child that she conceived is from me, the Holy, from the Holy Spirit. So here we go. Verse 23. Verse 21. And she shall bring forth a son. You should call his, call his name Jesus. And he will save his people from their sins. And so all this was done that I might, it might be fulfilled, that which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is God with us. Get it? <laughs> what was it about Mary? Go to Luke. Remember that. A virgin shall be with child. A virgin shall be with child. How do we receive what God's going to put in us? Purity. Shouldn't be a bad word in the church. It's a very good word. Purity. A virgin shall be with child. Those who are pure in heart are going to receive the seed of God. The true seed of God that's going to flourish and it said what about Mary? Mary said this. She was in agreement with the Holy Spirit. Ready? Let it be unto me according to your word. Because she had an angelic visitation too. Come on, it's not Disney. Angels showing up. God on the scene. Angel Gabriel, Michael, all these angels coming and visiting and saying, listen, listen. What's about to happen is Jesus is about to come to the earth. God in us. God with us. The power of who Christ is is about to be birthed inside of you if you just yield. If you just make a decision to pick up your cross and follow him daily. Right? The joy, it should be the joy set before us. Because that's how Jesus was depicted, right? Because of joy, because all we want to do is please the Lord, I'll do whatever it takes to find the Lord, to find his plan, to meet him and receive a blueprint because he wants to give you and he wants to birth something. He wants to put seed inside of you so that you can step into the reality that he has for you. Crisis of faith. What happens? We seek the Lord while he may be found. We call upon him while he's near. Catherine Kuhlman says this, I die a thousand deaths because many leave unhealed and unsaved. And I say to myself, could I have yielded up my spirit even more? And should I have held the service for five more minutes should I have kept things going for a little longer? Shall I have believed God for a little more? And I'm adding all that. 
But the reality is this. What does it look like when our lives are completely yielded to the Spirit of God so that he comes in and I see myself over here, but God sees things much greater than I can ever see them. Except here's the deal. You're not going to be able to do it on your own. So you need to yield and give yourself over. Here's the the thing. I can't make a decision for you. That's the most awesome thing. Right? I can preach. I can plea. I can do it. I can stand on my head and spit pennies over here. And it won't make anyone make a decision, but you have to make a decision. Right? You and I have to make a decision. And I always bring it back to this, right? Almost every week for the last six weeks. <laughs> that I can't, I can't do anything without God. Amen. You know what it means when he said that? It means a vacuum. Nothing with a vacuum inside of it. It means you're utterly useless without Jesus. And so the Spirit of God is saying this. Who's going to travel the path? At least he's saying to me. Who's going to travel the path? In my Father's house, there are many mansions. I have many dwelling places. I have many places I want to take you and show you. Yet what? Some of us will go. Some of us won't go. I prepared a place for you. (laughs) So come on and stand. That's it. I'm done. I want us to... Here's the thing. Just let's just Lord, we worship you tonight. Lord, I thank you, God. Lord, I pray for every place of resistance. In my own life, I'm praying for myself. Y'all can listen. But I pray for every place of resistance, God. Every place where I resist. Every place where I don't trust. Lord, we yield to you right now. Every place where I can't hear or understand what you're doing, God. Lord, I thank you that you're with us in all these things. I thank you, Father, for the Holy Spirit. Now, Holy Spirit, come and touch us right now in these moments. Lord, we want to walk in a path that's less traveled, God. Lord, we want our eyes to be fixed on you, our ears to be fixed on you and tuned into what you're saying. Lord, it's not my will, but your will be done. So God, we lift up our hearts. I thank you. I thank you for the cross. I thank you for everything that's been accomplished through the work you've done. I thank you that it's all finished. It's all finished. You're waiting on us. It's all finished. You just wait for us. So God, I thank you tonight. I ask that your spirit would come. I ask that you transform our hearts in these moments. I ask that you revive the things in our lives that we've been called to. That you pull us into the places that you called us. 
Lord, that we don't, we, don't, we don't sit back, we don't wait. Lord, but we come and we chase after you. Lord, and just like Joshua, Lord, we wait in the presence. We wait in the presence of God. We wait as your cloud descends on our, on our houses, on our homes, on our rooms, in our prayer closets, in our cars. God, we wait for your presence to overcome and increase. So, Lord, I just declare on everyone in this building right now that, Lord, we'd enter into a place of, of majesty, of, of purity, Father. Just our hearts would be pure before you and, and absolutely seeking you. I thank you for the place of intimacy. I thank you for the fire of God that comes on our lives, Lord, to change us and make us look like you. And, Lord, just as Moses had a face-to-face encounter... Lord, I pray for every person in this place and myself that we continue that even after the encounter is over that we will stay. Even after we encounter you, we'll stay. As your glory comes and overtakes us, Father, we continue to stay in your presence. And Lord, as we continue to move into a place of of deep, deep intimacy, of rest in who you are. That we'd be overcome by the person of Jesus, by the person of the Holy Spirit. 